Welcome to Through the Line, the Agency Squared podcast with me, Andy Barjuri. In agency life, there can scarcely be a more important subject than the client relationship. How well we look after our clients reflects on how well we perform as a business, enabling us to do great marketing and to retain and build our teams. But it's one of those areas that I don't think many people have received any formal training in. It's something we're expected to learn on the job, I think, in most agencies. So I was really pleased to find and come across Paul Phillips, who is very experienced agency man and an expert trainer on looking at how to build great client relationships and he's joined me on the podcast to have a look at the trust equation which is really the science behind what it takes to build great relationships so i hope that you enjoy the show and take some practical tips and tricks away from this that you can use to immediately start working on your client relationships paul good morning how are you today I'm very well indeed. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining me on the podcast. I'm really looking forward to our conversation because what you want to talk about is an area I think of such importance to agencies that it's great to have a real special focus on that. And that, of course, is client relationships. But before we get into the meat and potatoes of the conversation, let me try and just quickly introduce you and then you can tell me where I have any gaps or where I miss some knowledge bombs, as it were. So you've been in marketing for a little while now, and you've worked with some really great brands, primarily agency side. So I think you worked for Ogilvy for quite a number of years. You started there as a graduate and left there as a board director and then went over to the States for a bit to work for um, FCB. Am I right there? And then came back over to the UK? Came back after four years and, and I brief spell at a, an agency called Darcy, but then joined VCCP for 14 years. So a good amount of time agency side. And, and I think clients you've worked on on that time, you know, it's a bit of a wish list of clients you'd want to work for from Levi's to P&G, Nestle, O2, Sega, the list goes on, doesn't it? So uh, big consumer brands. But I think I've got a sense that there's quite a lot of healthcare in there as well. Yes, I I set up a healthcare agency in my last seven or eight years. So sort of focusing on that, specialising on on how we could sort of improve work in that area. So working with GSK and and, and Roche and Merck and so on. Nice. Okay. And now you're uh, what a freelance consultant, kind of board advisor, non-exec, helping other agencies to be great agencies, I suppose. Yes, I do a bit of that uh, where I can, passing on my, my knowledge and experience and also running training workshops. Um, so that's that keeps me busy. Excellent. Good. And I think that's kind of what led us to this conversation is one of your workshops is all about client relationships. And as I briefly mentioned there, I think this is one of the areas that we need to do better at as agencies. And having just done a piece of research on looking at that dynamic between client and agency relationships, there's definitely room for improvement, not just on the agency side, but on the the client side of the equation as well. But I think for today's conversation, we're going to focus primarily on that agency side because that's where you train. That's where a lot of your expertise obviously is. So tell me a bit about your perspective on client relationships, Paul. How important are they in running a really successful agency? Well, I think they're absolutely critical, but I think they they are they are tricky. And I spent a lot of time thinking about this. I run training in various areas, but ironically, this was one of the hardest courses that I I, I, I wrote because even though I spent my whole life doing this, trying to build client relationships, 
And I, and I think I found it hard because it is such a complicated thing and because it is as complicated as, as any human relationship. And we all know in our experience in, in our private lives how relationships with people, sometimes they click really easily. Sometimes they're a struggle to make them click. Sometimes they don't click at all. Yes. And I, my experience is that's exactly the same with clients. And I, I basically spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, what are the ingredients that make a relationship click and what doesn't? Yes. Okay. So, so this conversation is going to help me in work and in my personal life by the sounds of things. I don't know about that. <laughs> it's as much as I can do to try and help people with their client relationships, let alone their personal ones. But this is not I marriage counseling. do apply. Yes. <laughs> okay, good. And, and I think you're right. You know, sometimes it just clicks. It's just natural, isn't it? You know, you have that feeling whereby I'm going to get on with this person, you know, and that's the same in work as it is in the, in personal lives, I suppose. But what happens when it doesn't just click? How can we, I guess, as people, how can we make it click? I suppose, how can we improve how we handle and manage relationships? Well, I think the key thing is to try and think of it from the other person's perspective, you know, because it's so easy to say, well, you know, they, they should behave this way we, we've done this they should mm. behave this way they shouldn't behave that way and I think the key is is to, to to sort of break it down and and try and analyze where things are going wrong and that's that's where I got to my workshop really because I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this shall I shall I get into some of the some of the sort of themes of, yeah of tell me the things you cover off because obviously that there will be the key talking points so yes yeah well I, I've been lucky enough to work for, you know, some brilliant, brilliant people um, who've gone on to, to become chief execs of agencies, who've gone on to, you know, um, set up their own agencies. And I was trying to think about, you know, what, what made them, you know, they're all good at building client relationships. Why? When they all had very different styles. But there was one thing that I landed on that I think really they all had in common, and that's what I call antennae, by which I mean antennae sharply tuned to any little detail of anything that could affect the client relationship, anything okay. at all. And that, that, that covers a very wide range of things. It could be just picking up how the client is getting on with different members of your team, the creatives, the planners, the account people. Um, picking up how the client is getting on with their own members of their team. What are the politics between the client and their, the person they report to or the person or the people they, 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 they look after and manage? Um, picking up all those subtle nuances that exist. But it, it could also mean antennae around their business, really making sure you understand how their business works, what's really important to them. You know, what are the hot buttons for them in the campaign they want? Um, and it could also mean, you know, on the, on a Sunday morning reading the paper and there is an article in there about a competitor and what they're doing. And you take a photograph of it and ping it off to the client and say, can we have a chat about that? Mm. So it covers a huge range of things. Um, and what I've developed is something called an antennae audit. Okay. Whereby in the course of a half day workshop, people from agencies analyze a specific client relationship. They get their antennae out and they go, okay, let's look 
at every little detail of our relationship. Let's look at what's working well. Let's look at, let's be really honest and say what's not working so well. Let's not, you know, ignore it. Uh, and I think sometimes we do ignore the things that don't quite click and hope they go away. And, and my experience is they don't go away, you know. Um, <laughs> the longer you leave them, the more, uh, the louder they get, I think. I think that's absolutely true. Whenever I, I, I reflected on it. Every time I thought, oh, well, not sure if I should confront that. Hopefully it'll go away. It never did. Um, and, and try and analyse and, and pull together a plan to improve it. Right, and okay. um, I had to find a structure to do this. And I came across a man called David Meister, um, which is spelled M-A-I-S-T-E-R. And he wrote a book, a really interesting book called The Trusted Advisor, uh, which is, a you know, a, a okay. pretty much a bestseller. Um, and the core of this book is something called The Trust Equation, which I think you're going to put up on the website. I will. I'll put a, a graphic up on the, the page for the, uh, the podcast episode, yeah. And what he basically says is that, trust which is the key part of a relationship the level of trust and the strength of the relationship depends on firstly how reliable you are your reliability what he calls procedural reliability okay so that's the the back and forth the admin delivering when you say you will all that good stuff so the getting stuff done things exactly yeah plus your credibility, your professional credibility. So that's how your client perceives your creative work, your strategic work, your digital thinking, your production, whatever it is that they're buying from you. Okay. So it's it's the quality of the services you provide. So you've got those two things, how reliable are you are and how professionally credible you are. And then you add to it the third thing, which is the more complex, which is called intimacy. And we'll talk a little bit more about this because it, 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 is, it is more complicated. But intimacy is your ability to build a connection, a human connection with the client. Um, and and one, of the, one of the things David Meister always says is that um, there's a tendency to think that all you need is to be reliable and credible. And if you do those things, you don't need intimacy. But his point is that in every act of buying, it's an emotional act. And the person buying from you has to have some kind of respect for you, connection, feeling that you're doing this for, for them. So if we look at the first two pieces, you know, you can see how that's quite easy to evidence those. You can show off a creds deck, for example. You can give evidence as to how you deliver projects. But intimacy feels more like a, a feeling, isn't it? It's, it's What's yeah. it like talking to Paul and working with Paul? You can get that, yeah. you make that judgment quite early on, I think, when you meet somebody. So how do you, how do you manage that? In I think, I think the interesting thing, one of the things he says is that when you get a new client, credibility and reliability are, are really the first things that you, you kind of do because they need to see that you're, you've got your ducks in a row and they need to see some evidence that the work perhaps they've seen at the pitch is, continuing to be good and so on okay. um, and intimacy can take some time to build on the other hand you will have clients uh, and we've all had them who are lovely they're friendly they invite you in come and see our office come and do this come and be part of our team make you immediately make you an extension of, of, of their team and it's easy other clients it takes time they, they want to just see you know how you get on mm -hmm. critically critically what intimacy isn't 
is, you know, taking the client to play golf. I mean, it may ultimately be a thing you do, but 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 that's not what it is. So what I'm disappointed to say that in 20 odd years of agency life, I've never taken no. a client golfing, which is a real shame. No. <laughs> um, but you know, there's a tendency to think, oh, it's just, you know, we'll have a we'll take them out for a few drinks. Well, yeah, that's not absolutely. what it is. So actually I'll, I'll, I'll read out a definition of, of intimacy, which is quite an interesting one. The Oxford dictionary says intimacy usually denotes mutual vulnerability openness and sharing showing you really care for the other person's interests uh, david meister says intimacy is the way you make the client feel feeling emotionally secure with you so that they are open with you so that's what it is now what i talk about under here is is a few different areas the first one is around active listening which, which I've learned a lot about and read a lot about and, and have found very interesting. And it's one of those things where I, where I do training in this area within the workshop that I'm always sort of slightly hesitant because there's a tendency for us to say, well, I, I, can, I can hear perfectly well, you know, I don't need you to tell me how to listen. And obviously there's a big difference between listening and, um, and hearing. And there's an old agency quote, difficult clients need a damn good listening to. <laughs> now, I haven't heard that. that I think it's a I great quote. It. Difficult clients yeah. need a damn good listening to. Um, <laughs> I think what's interesting here is that we are trained almost not to listen. We're trained oh, right. to manage the clients. We're called account managers. We're called account directors. And I'm sure you've been in a situation like me where the client's coming in They've got various things they want to cover, but you're focused on what you need to cover. You know, we've got yeah. these 10 things. We've got to get them to agree that we need to show them this. They need to sign off on this. And you're almost hurrying them up, you know, because we're, we're going to run out of time. You know, um, we're almost trained not to listen. And the definition of active listening is adding value after you've listened rather than trying to do it while you're listening and it is a great temptation for us when a client is talking to tune out and think oh I know what we can do you know <laughs> and they haven't even finished what they're saying you know and and, and to immediately log on to something that you're going to say does that make sense you know what I see that not just in client handling situations but quite often you can see it in just general conversations where you're in a conversation and you know someone's not actually listening to you because they butt in and they start something else before you've finished. And I think that's it. we see that in all walks of life and, and certainly in client situations. I've seen that many times. Yes. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, one of the things I really reflected on is I think the more senior you get, the better you are at it because more junior people have got the checklist, you know, and, yeah. and they're, oh, shit, I've got I've production have told me I've got to get this bloody signed off. Yeah, thanks, Jim. But can I just show you this, you know? Yeah, and yeah. I, I'm thinking of people like Ian Priest, who I work with, who's the P in VCCP, who, who, who would just keep asking the client questions. And I'm thinking, Ian, we need to bloody get a move on. And he's thinking, no, 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 wait. So when you said that, Tell me what that means. What does that mean for you and so on? And some of the things I talk about in active listening are asking open-ended questions. You know, we we love closed questions, don't we? Do you want A or B? Yes. You know, I need to give them an answer. Asking open-ended questions, getting them to talk, empathizing with them, particularly if they're, you know, talking about something that might be a tricky issue internally. 
paraphrasing what they're saying. All these techniques, they can, they can sound, uh, you know, rather sort of small fry, but they're actually really good techniques to, to get a client to really talk. Do you think these are techniques that people can learn or are some people just more naturally gifted at empathy, for example? I, I think it's a bit of both. I think some people are naturally very good at it because they're really interested in people. But I do think in agencies, we're trained away from doing this because we can, we're managing the client, you know. And I think I think being conscious of it when you sit down with the client and kind of just picking up, again, it's about antennae, picking up, you know, the client's briefing us on something. Hmm, I'm getting the sense there's a few, you know, there's a few issues behind this brief. Just tell us a bit more about, you know, why that's happening. And this must be quite challenging for you. All these sort of questions, you know, I, I think make a big difference. Yes, I agree. Totally agree. And, and, I, and I think back to that research I referenced earlier on, and that understanding was really fundamental to what led to a good relationship between a client and an agency. And that understanding specifically referenced not just understanding the brief if there is one uh, and the agency skill in actually you know soliciting a good brief from their client is key to that but understanding what goes beyond the project as well what other pressures is the client facing where else are they being squeezed what's their motivation beyond this particular project and and the other way around for agencies as well is for, for client side marketers to understand why is the agency behaving in a in a certain way? What what are their pressures? What's what's their business model? How am I going to help them survive and thrive as an agency? And having that two way understanding of priorities and importance and and what we're working towards, goals and objectives, is is really fundamental to a good relationship. Yeah, I think I think it is. I think it is. There's a, another quote I include um, from Jack Welch. You know, used to be um, chairman of. of uh, General Electric, I think. And yes. he worked with the same corporate lawyer for, I think, 25, 30 years. And he, his quote was, he's a really great advisor. He listens better than anybody else. You know, it's a great quote. Good food for He the didn't Lord. say, you know, he's given us brilliant advice. I'm sure he has, but he has because he's listened, you know. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm going to use that, Paul. Definitely. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good quote, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Yeah. And then I talk about the other types of behavior that, that build intimacy. And, and I get started on a few of these and then people start to think about their own, their own. So just a few I'll mention, like, I think a bias to face to face communications, including video like this, uh, rather than email. Um, I, I always sense I used to see when a relationship was slightly deteriorating, there's too much back and forth on email. You know, important things are being yeah. discussed on email. Um, and, um, you know, that, that to me is very, is very dangerous, you know, because there can be misunderstandings. Yes, yeah. The other thing is having a regular open dialogue with the client about the relationship. Um, you know, how are we doing? And, and I admit that there were times when I didn't have that dialogue because I didn't really want to know because I was fearing the client would say, well, things are going very well and that out it would pour. Um, but in hindsight, you're better off hearing that. That's right. You, you need to have that process of fearless listening, don't you? I need to hear the good and the bad stuff. Otherwise, we're, we're, we won't sort the bad stuff out. Absolutely. And I, I know from years gone by, we would always you know, have that question at an account director level or account manager level just to, you know, temperature check. And when things were going a little bit 
oh, I'm not sure. That's when you call in the, the MD or the CEO to come and have lunch with the, the CMO type stuff. You know, but perhaps that's a little bit too late. Yeah, well, also the other thing is I say, you know, it, it's a, it's an amazing trick to, to, to at the end of any meeting, whatever level you are, could be an account manager, to go up to the client and say, was that meeting okay? Did, did we cover everything? Are you happy with that meeting? And I, I, I put this at a course the other day and I got feedback from a guy who, who said, you know, I tried it the following week. I went up to the client after the meeting quietly, you know, as we were leaving, so just check, you know. And he said, he was so surprised. The client said, you know, nobody's ever asked me that. Yeah, yeah, I'm very happy. We didn't cover this, but we'll we'll find another time or so. So it's, again, it's a simple little trick that, but try it. You know, yeah. ask clients at the end meeting, you're happy. It, it, it is, it's a real way of building intimacy. Yes. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. It's a really nice little tip. Uh, just don't ask too often, I think, because no. I've had that thrown back at me. If I'm unhappy, I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. That. Yeah, I agree. You, you've got to you, you've got to be careful a little bit. And I think this goes back to your antenna, you know, just knowing yeah. when's the right time to ask these questions. Yeah. Um, okay. Another thing I talk about is, you know, helping the client do their job. I, I had a, a, a very lazy senior client who I worked with, and we would we started writing his charts for a big meeting that he had every year, you know, and, and it ended up becoming a, a week's work, you know, um, yeah. writing all these charts. And, you know, sometimes my team would get a bit frustrated and say, Oh God, we're, you know, we're so focused on doing these charts. And I would say to them, listen, as long as this client is in this position, we probably won't lose this business because he doesn't want to write his own charts. You know, and, and and so I think I think lazy clients are good good clients to have. Try and do some of their work for them. So try and help them. You know, if they've got a big meeting coming up, can we help with designing the templates, writing some material for you, yes. producing some videos? You know, think about ways to help them do their job. No, that's really good, and that's this is all part of intimacy. Yeah, still, this is all still intimacy. Yeah. yeah. What else is there? Confronting and resolving issues quickly, I think, you know, we, we've already sort of covered this, but I think sometimes I've been in situations where a client keeps mentioning something that the agency doesn't quite want to hear or doesn't agree with. And we just sort of slightly ignore it and brush over it, you know, and and um, far better to confront it and discuss it and say, well, tell us what you need, what you're looking for, you know. Completely agree. The, the, the other thing overall, I think, with intimacy is seeing the client as a co-equal on the journey, making yourself part of their team. And there's various little things that that could involve. At my old agency, we had a facility to run, run research groups. You know, we could get people and put them in one room. And now it's very easy to have a webcam and, you know, you can sit in another room. And when we were doing creative, we'd get the clients in and say, look, we're going to get a bottle of wine, seven o'clock, we've got some people coming in. Would you sit with us while we do this? And and I found that worked so much better than putting it out to researchers. It's cheaper for one thing and more collaborative. You know, the planner would run the research and then come back in afterwards and go, what do we think? You know, the client say, well, they seem to like this. And it feels like a team. So this whole thing of involving them in, in that, involving them in brainstorms, um, letting them behind the curtain, you know, bringing them into the process in the agency. Because for many clients still, it's all a bit intimidating. Client Agencies are very different to clients often, you know, and, and just bringing them in, I think, can be very helpful. 
I think that's very powerful. But you, of course, you've got to have a client that wants that as well. N- not all clients are open to that level of involvement, I suppose. No. So that's interesting. Interesting. So that's that's intimacy. And we haven't really talked about procedural reliability or agency credibility, but you know, those are more the more obvious things that you can assess and uh, judge. So to finish the trust equation off, those three things are are added together and then they are put over in the true spirit of an equation, self-interest. So David Meister's view is that those three things are cumulative, they're powerful, they add up, but they're undermined by any sense that the agency is doing things more for themselves than for the client. And um, the thing about this is that, so self-interest could include a number of things. It could include not listening. So, you know, self-interest and intimacy are the exact opposite. Uh, I'm just thinking on on that point, this self-interest or self-orientation, I think that probably very many agencies will be accused of focusing on their own business over that of the client. Don't you think? I mean, one of the things we hear from, uh, I suppose, grumbles from client side is that you win my piece of business and then you yeah. resource it with a whole different team or junior than those that came to the pitch. Yeah. That's all about self-interest, isn't it? That's about yeah. you as the agency winning the business. And then you know that team yeah. has gone on to try and pitch for something else. So I guess that's probably one of the main areas that, that, that clients grumble about. Yeah. Is really yeah. And, and it's a number of things. It's, 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 you know, it's not listening. It's forcing something onto a client. It could be a process that you've got, you know, an approach you've got that the agency has that actually the client doesn't think really suits their business. It could be you push a a technique, you know, a creative technique or a photographer or a style of animation or illustration and, and the client's not completely sold on it. They're going along with it, but they're thinking, you know, is this for them to win awards, you know, Talking about money at every meeting, you know, uh, you know, then an extra cost for this and so on. And and the interesting thing when I have this conversation with agencies is that the key thing is it's not what the agency thinks, because the agency may disagree. It's what the client thinks. And if you speak to any client that's fired an agency and say, why did you fire them? The answer will invariably be in here. They'll say something like, Exactly as you just said, well, you know, they put a whole new team. We like this team or we got this other team or, you know, they didn't listen to us. We kept saying how important this was and they seemed to not care. Or, you know, we had we ended up spending a lot of money on this animated alligator and we weren't really sure it was right for us or, you know, um, you know, and so on. So. Those are the key things. And self-interest and intimacy are the opposite. It's very, very interesting. You know, and that's why even. The simple thing at the end of a meeting of saying, are you happy with everything in that meeting is the exact opposite of self-orientation. It is. And, and it's a it tiny really thing, is, but, yeah. but that, that's what you do. So that's how the equation works. Now, you can put numbers to these things. I don't do that in the workshop simply because I think it's only useful once you've got used to the whole equation. And you can then, you know, take five accounts and and, and sort of put some numbers and compare one with another. So it's only useful if it's comparative. But, um, you know, that's how it all pulls together. 
I think if you're putting numbers against it, it does give you that benchmark. You know, if you recognize that an area within your agency environment is that, you know, you're not holding on to client relationships for as long as you might like, it does give you a methodology for creating a benchmark and a way to track trends and to look at focus areas. I really like it. And and that self-orientation is, you know, when we talk to to clients and I do quite a lot of work where I help clients to hire agencies and so I see that initial onboarding process and one of the things that I see that I think quite often greats is well we do project management this way and we use monday.com or asana so you're going to have to do that and we're going to have to meet on zoom and not teams and we do everything by slack and not email and all of that is geared around how does the agency best operate and I kind of get that because you know, running an agency business, you've got to be really tight on the process in order to make sure you deliver consistently and reliably, I suppose. But at the same time, you've got to be aware as to how your client wants to actually yes, work. I think you're right. I, I used to have it, see it all the time went working in the pharmaceutical world. The, the timetables are very complicated. You know, there's lots of deliverables. And my team used to do these wonderful GAD charts. You know, they were works of art with every little stage, you know, every day. Yes. And we had some clients who would go, this makes me feel relaxed. Everything's under control. I can put this on my wall. I can see when things are happening. We had other clients who go, listen, I have no idea what any of this means. Just tell me what are the key points when I need to be involved. And again, it's just about having your antennae out rather than saying, right, here's our way of doing it. This is what you must do. <laughs> you know? It's it's funny, isn't it? I mean, I, I think client service is one of those areas that we don't tend to train much on or have, have have much training on in many agency environments. And and we were talking earlier about, you know, sometimes it's just more natural. Some people are more natural at this than others. But perhaps this is a really good structure, a good framework in which you can put a bit more thought into, you know, how do we analyze? How do we assess? How do we improve those relationships? So it's really interesting, Paul. I'm definitely going to have to do some more reading around the trust equation. And and the the book, The Trusted Advisor, sounds really good. I have a very long reading list. I have a very bad business book habit. I can't help but to buy books. So it'll go in my list of things to read. You're not the first person to have a a, a library full of books that haven't been read. (laughs) (laughs) Most of them are halfway through. and, And that's the problem, isn't it? I get inspired by something else. Perhaps I chase these shiny pennies all the time. But this is a, such an important area. And I'm, I'm really pleased to have learned some more about it from you, Paul. Thank you for coming on. And I think maybe we should try and put together a training course together where we take this yes. out to the Agency Squared community because there really is mileage in focusing on this as, as, a, as a small or growing agency or whatever size agency, really. There's, there's mileage in understanding how to look after your clients. And, and our research showed that as well earlier in the year, that there's a definite need for both sides of that marketing so client side and agency side that fence to to work better at this so i think it is something you could probably deliver in a client environment too you know how do we manage relationships with our suppliers better because all agencies have been in that environment where they get beaten up by clients i know i've had several clients that give me a hard time and members of my team a hard time over the years it would probably benefit from something similar because it is a two-way street isn't it a relationship it is and i and i run a similar course for clients on how to get the best out of an agency, you know. Um, so, so, so I get, I don't do it very often because I think most clients think think they don't really need any training in this area. Unfortunately, I think, but um, so, yeah. some do, and and um, that's really all about you know asking yourself as a client, 
what would you feel like if you were the agency, you know, putting yourself in their shoes? It's always about putting yourself in the other person's shoes, really. Absolutely. Understanding the other person's point of view completely. Yeah. Paul, thank you so much for coming on to the show to talk about uh, your training and the trust equation. I think that's going to be of value to anybody that listens to it. If anyone wants to find out more, to reach out and get in touch, what's the best way for them to to find you? Well, I think the best way is via my email, which I think hopefully you can put on the website uh, and I'll give you my contact details. And yeah, if anybody's interested, do please get in touch. I will certainly uh, put your details on the uh, on the show notes there. Paul, thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Andy.